Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, and welcome back to Everybody in the Pool, the podcast that dives deep into the climate crisis and comes up with solutions. I'm your host, Molly Wood. This week, we're talking about something you probably didn't think was quite so interesting, your 401k. Yeah, stay with me here. I'm telling you, the boring topics are the big ones. For example, let's pause for a little news update. You remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about home insurance becoming a way bigger part of the climate conversation? Well, on the Friday night before the Memorial Day holiday, the big insurance company State Farm announced it would no longer write any new homeowner policies in the state of California, citing the costs of climate change. All state announced the same thing. Both companies had asked the state for permission to make big premium increases up to 40% in all states' case to cover the cost of wildfires and rebuilding homes and businesses in such an expensive state. There will be more on this in a future episode, but when you start imagining where you're going to live in a future where actuarial tables might dictate where you can live based on their risk, let's just say I'm looking around my house in the Oakland Hills all of a sudden and I'm thinking, is this thing dead weight? This is a huge deal, and that's one of the things I find so interesting about the business side of the climate crisis. You never know what levers are going to lead to real change. Which leads me to this week's topic, 401ks. It turns out that the average 401k invests in about 30 different mutual funds, and each of those funds is invested in thousands of companies. And this just shows up to you in your benefits portal or whatever as a basket of options and target date funds that you probably don't think about very much. But the companies in those funds are responsible for a lot of carbon emissions. First of all, lots of them are just straight up fossil fuel companies, Exxon, Enron, Shell, etc. And the nonprofit Transition Pathway Initiative, which studies the corporate and financial world's clean energy progress, says that a third of the companies in the S&P 500 index have no emissions reduction targets at all. And of the companies that do have targets, more than half aren't on track to meet them. So how can you make sure that your 401k isn't contributing to the climate crisis? Well, not surprisingly, there are several companies, mostly startups, trying to create some better options. Here's one of them. My name is Alex Wright Gladstein, and I'm building a company called Sphere, which is making it easy for every company to offer climate-friendly investment options to their employees and their 401ks. Alex has a super interesting origin story that I want to get to in a minute because I love an origin story. But first, here's just one reason why the 401k conversation, much like the insurance conversation, has quite recently gotten a lot more interesting and a whole lot more political. There's $10 trillion invested right now in just U.S.-based 401k plans and similar 403Bs for nonprofits. 
And that means given that about 10% of the economy right now is made up of fossil fuel companies, that means there's about a trillion dollars invested directly in fossil fuel companies hmm. just from 401ks. And that's a lot of money that we have the power to move mm -hmm. if we start to make other options available to people. And, says Alex... It's hard to know exactly, but it seems like maybe about a third of the market cap of U.S. fossil fuel companies comes directly from retirement plans. Wow. A third. So that's significant. And I think the reason it's so high is it might be because so many other sources of capital have been pulling their funding the endowments of colleges. There's been a huge divestment movement where Harvard and Middlebury and tons of tons of universities have pulled their endowments from the fossil fuel industry. A lot of family foundations and family offices, even the, the Rockefeller descendants who their family wealth comes from Standard Oil, the company that got broken up into Exxon, Chevron, et cetera, they have decided to stop investing in the fossil fuel industry and so it turns out retirement plans are one of the last sources of capital mm. of this industry. And so it's very significant. And it's actually no surprise that as a result, there's been a huge focus on trying to prevent climate-friendly investing from making its way into the retirement industry. It's become an extremely politicized area just within the past year which has been a wild experience starting this company, you know, little old uh, sphere, just trying to get climate friendly options and retirement plans, all of a sudden is at the epicenter of this political debate, I guess we could call it. It really just feels like this political agenda that has been set by the fossil fuel lobby that has risen all the way to the highest office in our country, where the very first veto that the Biden presidency has had to do, Biden's first veto was on the topic of just letting people have the option to do climate-friendly investing in their 401ks. Yeah. I have to be honest, I have wondered a lot. I've been writing a lot about this kind of ESG culture war. And I have wondered how much of that is quite specifically a fossil fuel disinformation campaign. Of course, that's going to be hard to prove, like it'll be in the Washington Post in 20 years, that it was really deliberate. But it does sort of feel like a quite coordinated disinformation effort because it feels like that kind of came out of nowhere. Yes, absolutely. And when you see the numbers and realize what a significant portion of the money that's invested in these companies comes from retirement plans directly, you realize, of course, they would be scared of people having any option to do otherwise. So just keep that in mind the next time you hear about a state like Texas or Florida or Indiana telling its pension funds they can't engage in so-called woke investing. Maybe check the campaign finance disclosures for a sudden influx of fossil fuel money. Just so happens, by the way, insurance companies in Texas have started pushing back against regulations that restrict them from environmental considerations in their business and underwriting for all of the reasons I mentioned above. So 401k is powerful, not boring, and surprisingly political just for starters. Now let's go back to how Alex ended up in this field in the first place. Alex, you were one of you were one of the earliest founders I met actually in my venture career and it's been super fun to watch us grow. Us grow together is what's happening here. Tell me a little bit more about Sphere. How are you doing this and and actually let's even go to the origin story. What made you do this because you founded a company before that's very different from this one. 
Yeah, I've really I've cared a lot about turning around global warming for a long time. And I thought early on if I could be a serial entrepreneur helping get technologies out of labs that could have an impact on climate, that could be worthwhile. So I started my first company, which is called IR Labs, uh, spinning a technology out of MIT that makes data centers and supercomputers more energy efficient by using light to move data between chips. And we started that company in 2015. And in 2017, we started offering a... 401k plan to our employees. And I asked for a climate-friendly investment option in the lineup, thinking it was a simple request. And long story short, it took over three years and a lot of persistence to get a single climate-friendly offering to our employees, which meant for over three years, we were forcing all of our employees to invest in Exxon and Chevron, which really just didn't sit well with me. And it started me down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out why is it so hard to do climate-friendly investing in a 401k? And I ended up learning there are a lot of reasons it's hard. None of them are insurmountable. It was just clear there weren't enough people trying to make it as easy as possible. And that is why I decided to start Sphere as my second company. So go back a little bit. It were you, Have you been intentional? You say almost that it was your intention to be a serial entrepreneur. Like you were like, I want to start as many businesses as I, I'm starting a business right now and I'm dying. <laughs> and you were out here like, I'm going to start as many businesses as I can. Just going to keep on rolling. I think there's probably a screw loose in my head that, <laughs> yes, that was my intention. Wow. Yes, I did decide I want to be a serial entrepreneur. And I it's a highly unusual career choice, but one that I just love so much because it keeps every day super interesting, even though, yes, being an entrepreneur is also a crazy emotional roller coaster. So uh, hence my <laughs> having a screw loose probably to willingly choose this. I mean, it's awesome. I will say it's awesome. So the goal then is to try to create and be present at the, like the first year. It, it, when I say the first year, I almost mean that metaphorically, like an infant, you know, like when you have a newborn baby, you're like, I just got to get this little effort to year one. And then probably it's going to stay alive, you know? Like <laughs> To me, what I'm always asking myself is, am I the best person? Do I need to be here to make this company successful? And as long as the answer is yes, then I'm with the company wholeheartedly and mm -hmm. not even thinking about doing anything else. My first company, IR Labs, it's a semiconductor company. And I had no semiconductor experience. Uh, I learned a huge amount from my co-founders and from mentors in the semiconductor industry. And I got to a place where... I could hold my own in any room uh, on uh, with semiconductor experts, but being able to bring in a CEO who had decades of experience in the industry and connections in the industry, that was what I was trying to get the company to, was get the company to a place where we can attract a really top-tier CEO who not only brings in all that valuable experience, but also who understands and is 100% bought in to our vision for the company. IR Labs, by the way, just raised a little over $150 million because its semiconductor technology is all about low latency, super fast computing with great power management, aka faster and more efficient computing. That's just the kind of thing this new AI revolution needs. So yes, I will hopefully be inviting the new CEO they found, Charlie Wishbard, onto the show. Call me Charlie. In the meantime, Alex had turned over her first baby and was thinking about what to do next. It really felt like we were running out of time. I realized, oh my gosh, we have seven years left before we hit one and a half degrees Celsius of warming. 
It's a really scary place to be. How can I have the biggest possible impact in those seven years? And ended up realizing that fintech was the area, uh, which was very surprising to me because I thought I'd be spinning out another deep tech. I thought I'd be right. a deep tech co-founder over and over again. And I ended up realizing, actually, I think I can have a much bigger impact founding sphere than doing anything else. Okay, tell me about the process of arriving then at fintech as a hugely impactful solution. Like, what were the data points that you encountered? Because there's a big, I would argue, almost purity test type conversation happening in the climate sort of startup and investment landscape, right? Where there there are among certain cohorts the idea, that there's the, the firmly held idea that deep tech, hard tech, major transformative innovations are the only way forward. And I'm curious, given that specific background, what were the data points that that sold you on 401ks? I mean, clearly your own experience, but what else happened? Yeah, it was really a journey. And it wasn't just my own experience. I kind of thought of my own experience as this annoying side project where I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, oh, this stupid 401k thing. I still haven't figured it out. I have to spend more time on it. I really was trying to ignore the 401k thing and trying to dive deep on meeting inventors who had incredible technologies that might need help getting them out of labs. And I thought that was what I would be doing. But this 401k thing just kept nagging at me is really what it came down to. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I think the reason that I kept trying to ignore it was because I knew for myself that I didn't want to be invested in the fossil fuel industry, but I couldn't think of a reason that it made sense to give that option to not invest in this industry. I couldn't think of what impact that would have on a big scale. I thought, okay, if I get everyone to stop investing in the fossil fuel industry, great, but so what? How does that solve climate change? Mm -hmm. But then one day I thought about it a little bit differently, and I think it was because I was thinking about the anti-apartheid movement and a lot of people who were proactive in the anti-apartheid movement really say that some of its success is due to the divestment movement. And in, I started diving into that more and, and trying to figure out how did divesting end up having an impact on apartheid. And I realized that the, the folks who were involved in that don't try to make an argument for how it impacted the stocks of the companies. Really, it was a tactic, an organizing tactic, and a tactic for really spreading the word on this problem that really shone a light on the issue. Mm. And so that was what got me thinking about, okay, not investing in fossil fuels isn't so much about trying to impact the share prices, so much as just making a statement and shining a spotlight on the issue and saying, proudly, loudly, that the status quo is not okay and something needs to change and getting more press coverage because of that, because money really talks in a way that just people talking doesn't as much. And that was what started getting me to realize maybe this is something I should pay more attention to. No, it's, uh, you know, it's, we're here to talk to you. And also I will tell you like very similar journey from journalism, which is not a money-oriented career to nonprofit journalism to thinking to covering business and technology and innovation and realizing that like capitalism is a big part of our problem but also this the greatest incentive system that humans have ever created. Yes. And you can make a really 
big impact there. And so I think it's fascinating that you went from invention to not just the power of money, but the power of movement. And so now you're like a rabble rouser organizer in the fintech space <laughs> yes. on top of that. Like how big a departure is this from the path that you thought you were on? It is such a massive <laughs> departure. What am I doing? I don't know the first thing about social movement building. I know <laughs> chips and photonics. But yeah, it it's been really inspirational to meet the people in this movement because it turns out I wasn't alone. There were people who long before me have been working to make climate-friendly investments available, ranging from 401k advisors. There are some that have been focusing on green and socially just 401ks for a decade. And there also are employees at the biggest tech companies, at Microsoft, at Apple, at Google, who've been asking for climate-friendly options in their retirement plans Mm. for years, going back to 2016, getting thousands of signatures on petitions, getting hundreds of emails sent to HR asking for a single climate-friendly investment option in their plan lineups. So it was exciting to see that this is actually a social movement that already exists, but a lot of people haven't heard of it. And that is an area where I think we can help. After the break, more details on how this type of investing works and how even a pretty green company can be hiding a lot of sins in its retirement plans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Everybody in the Pool. Here's the second part of my conversation with Alex Wright Gladstein, founder of Sphere. Um, okay, so then talk to me about so the the money part is significant. The other thing that you have done a good job of highlighting and will can and continue to do is is the extent to which this makes up sort of a hidden carbon emission by companies. Yes, the plans that they offer. Tell me more about this because it is mind blowing. Yeah, so. Sustainability teams at companies spend a lot of time trying to reduce the emissions of those companies. And there's something called the Greenhouse Gas Protocol, which is the gold standard guideline on how companies should measure emissions. And that's where this idea of a scope one and scope two and scope three emissions comes from. If your listeners have heard of that, scope one is the direct emissions from the facilities or the fleet of trucks, perhaps, of of a company. Scope two is the emissions from the electricity that's produced for those facilities. And then scope three is everything else. And it's really made up of the emissions from suppliers who are manufacturing components that go into the products, as well as from customers who are using the emissions created when they use products. Now, when sustainability teams are working on reducing all those scope one, two, and three emissions, they are not paying attention to 401ks. And the reason is that the greenhouse gas protocol has not included the financial supply chain in its definition of the supply chain until now. And so the emissions impact of 
bank accounts where companies hold their cash, for example, or the emissions impact of their 401ks or pension funds. None of that has been included until now. Hmm. The Greenhouse Gas Protocol is going through its first update since it was first written in 2011. And the new revision is expected to include the financed emissions, the financial supply chain emissions, including 401ks and pension funds. And that is going to be a big deal because Mercer came out with a study in September that looked at the emissions of 401ks from S&P 500 companies. So the biggest 500 companies in our economy. It took a sample of just 38 of them. And on average, within that sample of 38, the emissions from their 401ks are 33 times higher than their direct emissions. Wow. Then there's there's scope one and scope two, you mean? Scope one and scope two. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So there's a massive set of hidden emissions no one is tracking right now, let alone reporting, but that they will start tracking and reporting about two years from now when the greenhouse gas protocol update goes into place. And we are building a platform called the Atmosphere that makes it easy for companies to understand the emissions from their 401ks and more importantly, how to reduce those emissions. Because a lot of sustainability teams don't know the first thing about how one goes about changing a 401k. And so this tool really equips them with the knowledge they need to be able to go to their benefits team, their HR team, and really give a roadmap to here's how we would like to engage on a conversation on improving our 401k emissions while also maintaining our fiduciary duty as a company to our employees, which is a very important aspect of any 401k. And then in addition to that tool, which is being developed now, you also offer a 401k plan, right? And some investment vehicles? So we offer a mutual fund. Okay. And we're not offering a 401k plan or service. There are a lot of 401k advisors and record keepers. Yep. There are kind of two main categories. One is the record keeping platform, and that's the Fidelity or Vanguard, sometimes ADP. There are a bunch of them out there. And then there are the advisors, which are typically a different entity than the platform to avoid a conflict of interest. But it can be really hard as an employer to switch providers. And so what we offer is a mutual fund that is really designed to meet employers where they are. So they don't have to switch record-keeping platforms. They don't have to switch 401k advisors. They can go to their existing providers and say, hey, we'd like to add this one extra option to our fund lineup. And that's a much easier ask, lighter lift. That's something that can be done in a in a couple months as opposed to a year or two time frame. Got it. And we work with a lot of existing record keepers and advisors to to, to add our fund to their platforms. Tell me more about the fund. Is it like a target date fund? Is it a basket? What's in there? Yeah. So our first product, and I'll start by saying none of this is investing advice and you should talk to right. nope, none. an advisor mm -hmm. before making investment decisions. And our product, the first one we launched is called the Sphere 500 Climate Fund. And it's really the first fund that has been created both to check all the boxes that a 401k fiduciary looks for in a fund that would be added to a 401k and also check the boxes of what someone who just cares about climate change wants. So when it comes to the fiduciary and checking those boxes, it has low fees, it's seven basis points, it's a passive index fund, so it has 99% correlation to the S&P 500 index. 
So it is well diversified across industries, just like the S&P 500 index is. When it comes to the checkboxes that someone who cares about climate change is looking for, really for us, it's two things. One is don't invest in fossil fuel companies or the lead contributors to deforestation. After taking the top 500 U.S. companies like the S&P 500 does, we do those screens. We're left right now with about 415 companies. For those companies, we vote our shares for climate action because we all have a power to create change at the biggest companies in our economy through our shareholder votes. A lot of people don't even realize they have that power, but it's hugely influential. A lot of existing fund managers in 401ks don't offer that power to the people in 401ks, the people investing in 401ks. They vote on our behalves. But we think it's important to vote for climate action. We think it's in the long-term financial best interest of investors to prepare companies for climate change. The other question, I guess, is, and maybe this will come into play in future products, is there is a little bit of, I wouldn't say it's a spirited debate, but there's a little bit of debate about the efficacy of divestment versus sort of staying in the pool, if you will, and voting your shares at a brown company. And I wonder how you're thinking about that as you approach sort of future investments, especially given the fact that like post-Russian invasion of Ukraine, everybody couldn't be happier about energy stock. So the data does show that despite the fact that energy stocks have spiked in value over the past two years, over the long term, it has been an industry in decline. When you just look at the S&P 500 index over the past 10 years compared to the S&P X energy index, which in financial lingo, energy is code for fossil fuels. Every energy company is a fossil fuel company. So if you just look at the S&P 500, excluding those fossil fuel companies, Mm -hmm. the returns over the past 10 years have been lower if you're investing in fossil fuels and higher if you're not. Mm -hmm. Also, the S&P puts out data on volatility and the volatility of each sector in the S&P 500 and the energy sector has been the most volatile over the past 10 years. So of course it will have periods of outperformance, but for longer term investors who are saving for retirement and not you know, day traders trying to make a quick buck, it actually can be a better financial decision to avoid this sector that is in a, an, in a longer term decline. But back to your first question about engagement, investing in these companies to then engage in terms of voting shares and try to create change versus divesting and what has a bigger impact. Our thought on that is that as fiduciaries with a financial product that is geared towards people saving for retirement, it is just not financially responsible to tell people to invest in fossil fuel companies, which we see as a sector that's in decline and not a good investment choice to try to create change at those companies. Mm -hmm. Leave that to the engine number ones. Leave that to the activist hedge funds. And good luck to them. I hope they're successful. But we shouldn't be gambling the money of people saving for retirement to create that type of change. We are looking to create change at the rest of the economy. So if we invest in, and this is actually not hypothetical, we do invest in banks. And we invest in a lot of the biggest banks in the financial sector. A lot of those banks finance fossil fuel development projects. And we had a big discussion within our company. Do we 
invest in those banks. They're not fossil fuel companies, but they're financing fossil fuel projects, and that's pretty bad. And we made the decision to stay invested in those companies because we can vote our shares to encourage them to stop financing those projects. And we actually did just over the past few months. We participated in shareholder votes at four major banks saying that we want them to stop financing fossil fuel projects. Now, imagine if everyone invested in their 401k had been able to vote that way. Imagine if BlackRock, Fidelity, Vanguard had voted those shares the way that I'm sure their investors, 82% of them, would have wanted those shares voted. It would have had a massive impact, and those banks might be stopping that, that fossil fuel financing activity. So that is just a massive lever for impact that we have in offering that choice for the first time to 401k investors to vote those shares. So we we absolutely care a lot about the power of shareholder advocacy. We don't think it should be at the expense of returns. And so that's why we avoid the most risky industries. And then we vote our shares in the rest. Alex Wright Gladstein is the founder of Sphere, a company offering a carbon-friendly 401k fund called the Sphere 500. That's it for this week of Everybody in the Pool. Thanks for listening. Please like, subscribe, and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts if that's what you're using. Email your thoughts and ideas to in at everybodyinthepool.com. And for an even deeper dive, sign up for my newsletter at mollywood.co. I have written a lot about this ESG backlash lately. You'll find it all at the website. And remember, together, we can get this done. See you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.